Hi people, hope you're safe, well and enjoying the outdoors as much as I am. We're on holidays and you might actually get a chance to get out a lot more than we have so far in 2020. And today's show is all about the greater world beyond our homes, even if that means just next door. Hello, this is Lucy O'Hagan from Wild Awake. Lucy O'Hagan has featured on Ecolution before. She runs Wild Awake and it was her forest school we visited way back in episode one. Well, over lockdown, she agreed to answer some kids' questions in a video for RTE Junior. And one question was the inspiration for today's episode. So our final question today comes from Poilon, age 10. And Poilon's asked a really important question. What is the number one tip for staying in the wild for the longest time possible? And for me, the answer is very, very clear. Community is the most important thing if you want to stay out in the wild for the longest time possible. And if we think about going out into the woods and being in the wild, you know, sometimes we don't want to just survive. Sometimes we want to live out there for a long time so that we have an amazing experience, that we enjoy our time there. And that's really only possible when you have a group of people who are doing that with you. So in a community, you can all help to gather firewood, you can help to gather food, you can help to do like the chores that there might be to fix the shelter or to make the clothes. And also community means that you're having a good time. Like it means that you can tell stories together, that you can sing together, that you can, yeah, just explore what it means to be human together. And in my experience, that's been the best thing about the work that I do is the community that comes with it. Whilst I was stuck indoors, I really missed one thing above all else, people. And that's why Lucy's words struck a chord. All of us were Zooming and FaceTiming like never before because much as I love my family, my home and Mipsy, I need another place. We all do. There's a phrase that describes it as a third place. It could be your GAA team, the library, a park or a garden that allows you to get away from schoolwork and home. Lockdown robbed us of this for a little while, but it didn't stop us from trying to look outside. In fact, we reached out to our neighbours more than ever before. I'm Beatrice and I live in the North Strand Road. I've been writing newsletters for my street. Me and Carlin were both thinking about a book called Ivy and Bean. Their dad, in one of the books, told them that he used to write newsletters for his street. So Caroline came up with the idea we should write newsletters for our street. I'm Caroline and I'm six. I coloured in most of the stuff for Beatrice. We started doing Wednesdays and Saturdays, but we grew out of lots of news, so we changed to Friday and we let a few other people into the secret. I did a newsletter for the people in the street who have dogs. Just do like the postman and stuff like that. It was called Buttons. My favourite thing to colour in was the dogs. There was some news and then there were one or two dares. Every week we'd put a dare in. Sometimes there wasn't even any news or even one bit of news. 
One of them was tried to stay up late to catch the Easter Bunny because it went through Easter. There was a special edition for Easter. I think it was a good idea to do the newsletters because um, our neighbour woke up like at five in the morning, one of them, and they looked out their window and they saw what they thought the Easter Bunny was dashing through the cars, hiding lots of sweeties on our side of the road. And we found all of the sweeties and some of them were in flower boxes <laughs> for the last newsletter in june we um put in some origami hearts with my mom's best origami paper i think it's important to do stuff for my community because it doesn't just make me happy to have a project but it makes them happy to have newsletters and and when we finished them the neighbor who saw the easter bunny or what we think was the easter bunny they sent us a message to say thank you for making everyone in their house happy. So at the start, I thought it was going to be a bit embarrassing. It was very fun and it was nice to have a project during lockdown. Like Beatrice and Caroline, we all need a sense of doing something good for others. The community around us is so important. Without the help and support of others, none of the activism the world needs could happen. School strikes for climate change began because so many kids from different backgrounds and countries saw what Greta Thunberg was doing and wanted to be part of it. Because being part of a shared experience is being part of something bigger than ourselves. But hold on, global action might seem a bit too big when we're just stepping back out. So what if you shrunk your community right down? What if you took a step back in time to move forward? Hi, I'm Dan and I'm co-author of Forest School Adventure. And I'm Naomi, I, I'm also co-author of Forest School Adventure. Dan and I have both been teaching forest school and bushcraft for, for quite some time. We both felt like we just wanted to be a bit more authentic with our teaching. Uh, we wanted to, instead of saying, you know, people say this is how you could build a shelter, this is how you could build a fire if you needed to, if you were cold. We wanted to have um, some background of, of this is what we did when we needed this shelter or this is how we hunted when we needed food and this is how we felt when we were hungry and what we did. And so we um, decided to find our own adventure where we could learn all of these skills and then bring them back. And somehow that transpired into us living like cave people. Uh, not what we were expecting at all, but we found um, a course in the States um, called the Four Seasons Prehistoric Project um, with a woman called Lynx Vilden. And um, we were to live in the woods with her, um, just in our tents. And there were 17 of us all together in our tribe. Um, and daily we'd learn new activities, anything from firelighting, hide tanning, um, hunting, making tools, making fire, foraging, processing meat. It basically culminated in us going into the wilderness with just the kit that we'd made over the last four months. The only modern things we were allowed was a camera and a notebook and pencil. And then we basically stepped into the wilderness for, in total, it was 17 days, I think, and 17 nights. And there was only four of us in the end instead of 17 people. Um, we'd eaten the rest because we know. <laughs> um, it was truly a, a, an amazing experience you know we, we fished for our dinner using fish hooks that we'd made from our hands from bones that we'd got from animals that we'd hunted and we made fire from our own hands from materials that we foraged in the forest where we'd walked and we sang and we walked and we cried and we, we, we just lived I mean, didn't we? we lived we were part of nature we were I think it was the closest to being truly human we've ever been. You know, we had somebody's birthday out there 
And we collected him throughout the day as a secret, like almost planning his surprise party, but a surprise birthday present. We planned to pick huckleberries throughout the day, but none of us to eat a single one. And that was a massive deal because that was our energy, that was our sugar, that was our joy. And and by the end of the day, we all handed him as this surprise birthday gift, this handful of, of huckleberries. And the look on his face was so genuine joy. You've never seen anything like it. And he tried to, to give them back to us, to give us a few, and we decided not for any of us to eat any of them and for him to have all of them. And the, the beauty in that moment was so real. It couldn't be replicated in the modern world, you know, because because to hand a friend a handful of blueberries for their birthday wouldn't quite cut it. But the But the pleasure and the joy and the sense of life out there was entirely different to coming back out into the modern world and realizing that it wasn't necessarily the life you wanted and then you forget and then you get a job and then you live your social life and you go to a lovely party and have friends and you know and all of that becomes a distant memory but yeah it was transitioning was hard it was really really hard dan and i have often talked about taking our children back out into the wilderness wherever it may be but i would never ask them or or necessarily want to live out there full time you know i think having a foot in both worlds is really important just to know that you can live out there and it is enjoyable but to come back to that roast dinner and lemon meringue pie, it's also just as valuable, you know. Usually to bring people together, it takes a well, disaster, it takes an event to happen. Where we live, we live just up from Ironbridge and we just had all the flooding recently. Just really dreadful. But what it did do, it brought the whole community together where people were offering help. And then people realise there is a community, we are human beings, it's innate in us to care for other people. And so helping each other you know it's, i think it's really easy to help people out and look out for people we just we're the modern world we live in at the moment is so against that and is so unfortunately full of the fear headlines when we built our small tribe of how many were we, we were six. six in total for the for the tribe and when we shrunk down our community we were able to you know and we just kind of got to know each other and again in a modern world potentially that wouldn't happen you know it's it's i think it's shrinking down your tribe opens you up a little bit i suppose i think as well i think what we what we learned from doing the stone age stuff if we just switched off and talked to people communicating i think is really our valuable our sort of key values that we need to have in this modern world to bring the community together dan and naomi's new book urban fire school has just been released if you're a city kid it could be a great way into your new outdoor adventure We spoke with Dan and Naomi on the day lockdown began here, so there was no mention of the past few months. But over lockdown, communication became key to keeping our communities together. I'm Jane Hackett and I'm the Green Schools Travel Manager. I think people have more time to explore what community is in their local area. You know, we were so busy racing from A to B, going to work picking up the school, kids from school or you know if people were going to the gym or they had any activities after work it was a constant stream of activities and we often filled our life with this busyness and uh, and now we've had an opportunity to to reflect on why we did that almost you know what what advantage did it give us in life to fill our, our time you know with all these crazy activities this was forced upon us but I hope people have had time to reflect on 
how they interact with the people next door to them and the people across the road from them. And because there's le- there was less cars, I know that people across the country, you're interacting with the people around you more. Whether or not you went for a walk in the evening and you gave a wave to your neighbour or you were cycling around and you found that there was a little hidden place that you never knew on your local uh, area. So community has been really strengthened, I think, and it, I think people don't want to lose that and I hope that people really work towards uh, getting involved in their local communities and and making it a better place to be. So if you can't quite be a cave person or change the world with strikes just yet, what could you do? Aaron and Nessa of A Playful City have worked on lots of projects that have helped communities find a spirit they'd misplaced. So the first step in anything that we do is to speak to the potential users of a space to get their ideas about how they think it should be used. And that is the benefit, obviously, of getting lots of people's views, but also of giving people kind of ownership over that space too. Because eventually when something does go into it, they feel um, they're, they're a part of the process. One of the first things we did was through our partners at the National College of Ireland, the Early Learning Initiative, we sent out a survey through all different uh, childcare settings to ask children what play meant to them. We were able to kind of get a picture of what what kids like to do. So, for example, we we understood from that what kids really like to climb, actually. That was a way for us to, to, um, to consult with some of the youngest people. Then we ran one of our projects called A Playful Street, which is effectively um, closing down a street to enable children to go out and play. The old school games that we all used to play, you know, they don't cost much money, but a chalk, hopscotch, ball games, bring out your scooter, kick a football around. And it's a sad thing that that actually has to be an event of sorts, you know, but that's the reality of it. And that's the reality of, I suppose, the way parents view the spaces outside their homes now, because there's so much traffic and people are afraid of strangers and all that. Playful Street, in its essence, is an intergenerational play space because it invites older people out to teach kids the games that they used to play. We have a device called um, our Spielmobile, which we bring out, and we use that as a means to consult with the community. One of the bigger losses, I think, you know, compared to, say, the time when we grew, grew up in the kind of late 70s, early 80s, was that... Community was really a very natural thing that happened because people used public space. They saw the spaces outside their homes as the spaces that they could use to come out and talk to their neighbours. The kids would be out playing. People kind of congregated a lot differently and that's changed, unfortunately. All we need to do is to get people out speaking to each other again. Community is a difficult one to define, but I always felt the community meant the ability to tolerate people around us. So the more you get to know people, the more strange they become. And uh, you start to recognise that everybody's just different. So for me, community is about the ability to tolerate. And play is a wonderful way to kind of bridge that. By definition, it just allows you to experience other people in a curious way. And tolerance is about curiosity. It's about kindness. And it's about just being able to um, sit with someone. It's kind of like, it's like an act of meditation almost. It's also, it's an identity. So you've got this idea that once you uh, experience a space, it gives you a sense of yourself. So that sense of yourself, you then start to speak up for your area. And that area can be whatever way you want to speak up for whoever you want to speak up for. So if that's speaking up for your environment and, and the natural environment that you're living within, then that's your community and you can you can define your community as to how you exist in it. It's a weird thing. It's like if you push out into the community but then the community will define you by the very act of it. It's something that changes all your life. 
you might not be in a position to build something so big. But there are other ways you can help the people and place around you. What about heading into a community garden? So that's the opening gate if you were coming in. And then you'd walk up here to this little, kind of like an open area with a cement bit. And it's kind of like a little hub. And there's little stairways to all the bits of the garden. So we're going to go to the main bit here. Hi, my name's Cody Redmond. I'm 11 years old and I'm a Mud Islander. Well, it kind of just means to help out with the community and uh, just, well, in this garden in particular. And, um, yeah, you can do all sorts of things, to painting and bringing snacks for the workers or tending to crops. And there's houses on most sides of the garden and um, there's, like, a wall separating them. Just behind that wall, it's kind of like their garden and then they can come into this way bigger garden. It's mainly for fun, but we also grow some crops here for schools nearby. So I actually think these are all meant to be medicinal herbs. Uh, Oh, yeah, there's a sign. (laughs) So one is called St. John's Wort. Yeah, there's mint. That's mallow. Sounds like marshmallow. Hi, hi, I'm Paul Reddant. I'm one of the original members of the Mud Island Community Garden in North Strand. There was old folks' homes complex on this site and they were demolished and the council left a big pile of rubble. And for two or three years, a group of people, Maeve, John Fnull and a few others, Tony Loud, campaigned with the council to try and get them to give us a small section of it to turn into Community Garden. At the time, Community Gardens were only beginning to crop up in Ireland. The council weren't quite sure, but eventually they agreed to give us a small bit on a, on a short lease. And then behind there's a big raspberry bush that uh, ripens during the summer. Just going to have a raspberry now. Good, good. And then we have some beds, uh, some flower beds here. This one has tribes, yes. And then there's some, stra- there's two strawberry beds on the left. And beside those, there are some broad beans. And then on the right, there is... We decided from day one to not be an allotment. We are a community garden. Everything is, I always say it's a very hippie sort of style where everything is very communal. If you plant something and you're here the day it's harvested, that's the day you can eat it. Members are welcome to come along. We're open two days a week, two afternoons, Tuesdays and Saturdays, and help with the planting, growing, watering, weeding, and then whatever's harvested that day, bring something home with them. At the moment, we have a whole heap of berries. Um, we have a whole lot of lettuce, mountains of it, but there's always some crop throughout the year. We actually had somebody come in here one day and didn't know that raspberries were a plant, which I thought was a weird one. But every now and then, you know, we get local schools to come in and we'll try and teach them. So, for example, at the moment, the senior and junior infants in the local St. Columbus school, under the tutelage of a a girl from UCD, are doing a project where they've planted out some wheat. They're growing the wheat throughout the season. Now it's been a bit changed with the whole COVID thing, but it's still growing well. And it'll soon be harvested and they're then going to turn the wheat into flour and turn the flour into a pizza dough and we're going to make pizzas with it up in the pizza oven. So that way they'll literally get food to fork, food to mouth. They'll get the whole process from seed, which they planted, to eating the actual pizza. And that education is invaluable. Hands-on education like that is really, really brilliant. Hello, it's Misha Eleanor. I am five years old. I love about when I plant so much and I really like planting the onions. I also like going to the worm factory and there's this van and there's lots of like 
cool things in it and I like to go in. There's like this house and like you can go in and have chit chats about what, what plant you're going to plant in the soil and what we're going to do. And I like going there and taking lots of pieces of paper, drawing like lots of things and like making a little book about like things that are in the garden and I normally do lots and lots of drawing about worms and plants and one day I built this book in the garden and it was about worms and how they need to eat lots of vegetables and fruit to make worm juice for the plants that have to grow. My favourite fruit in the garden is a plum and it's in the middle of the garden so I can go in the middle of the garden and pick the plums of the tree and then I can like suck the juice and then like have and eat the real part of the flesh inside the plum. One of the very first things we decided was we needed some social spaces. So as you've been wandering around and Cody gave you a tour, you'll probably notice we've actually got three seating areas. Go through another little archway and you're in the hacienda. So the hacienda has like a bunch of tables and chairs and like wind chimes. So they're pretty cool. If you walk over to the left in the hacienda, there's a fire pit, uh, which we light sometimes. And then the main thing is uh, just beyond the fire pit, there is a pizza oven which we can make pizza in. So we always had a four o'clock tea break. Somebody insisted that someone would bring some scones, was a flask would come out, a bit of tea and coffee. And the point of the tea break, I don't drink tea, but I realised very quickly it was nothing to do with tea. It was about getting people to sit, chat. I wouldn't have known anybody involved in the garden when I first joined. And I think most people are in that boat. They might know one or two neighbours, but by forcing people to sit and have tea, well, not forcing, but encouraging, all of a sudden the conversations are had and friendships are made. And to this day, we've continued that by having all our seating areas. When you come to the garden, you don't have to work. You might not be newer. Sometime, especially in this last when we've had lockdown, some people have come just to read a book, just to get a bit of headspace. And we realised, I suppose, early long, that the garden was just as much a social destination and a bringing together the community as was an actual physical growing space, as it were. Hi, I'm Amber and I'm 13 years old. I was six or seven when the garden started or when we kind of got more heavily involved in it. It was like a dump site and it was just gravel and rubble everywhere. Like, you wouldn't even recognise it from today. So they really had to start from... Like basically nothing. Well, obviously you meet new people and you get to know your neighbours and people in your community a lot better. We have lots of kids here because it's it's a big open space, so it's a good place for kids to kind of play with their friends and run around. And if maybe if they don't have a big enough back garden, like it's good to run around. But we do have to have an adult supervising them. But it's just a good place for them to come and meet new kids as well and just yeah be out in nature, I guess. My name's Mia and I'm nine. About to be nine. I think it's about helping and playing around with other ch- children. And there's lots of flowers, so you help them grow. Sometimes pick the raspberries for everyone to eat, and sometimes just play around. Some raspberries are yellow, so they're my favorites. Well, community means for me is just to work together as friends and humans. Community is, is, is a coming together 
This particular community I, I love. I'm here over 20 years, and the more I've got to know it, the more interesting I find it. There's a lot of variety. There's a lot of people from different backgrounds. We have members from young to in their 80s, and most people here you'll find have an interesting story to tell, no matter who you end up sitting beside. And we've seen it with the recent closures, how important having neighbours is. You know, people are sending texts to go get messages and... Uh, help out whatever way they can um, it's been very active in this area and things like the garden would have started off a lot of those introductions now I think I'm going to bring you to my favourite bit it starts here the garden has like uh, fences all around it but if you go outside the fences it's kind of like a more dangerous secret garden <laughs> there's loads of really tall plants here right now this back bit me and my friends really like it there's like this mountain of wood but it's like hollow. Most of the time what me and my friends do is we get like sticks and have like a war. Some of us would like get in the hollow bits of the wood and uh, we like scout out the area for incoming attackers. One of us would try raid the other one. I'm Paula and I'm a Mud Islander, very proud Mud Islander. The garden is a uh, a real uh, coming together of people from all over the community, really diverse group of people who are motivated to make this absolute little corner of heaven available to everybody. And it has been an amazing uh, part of my life in the community and my daughters as well growing up, so it means a lot to me. Community means to me people coming together to make the, 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 the life of the people living there um, better and, and as good as it can possibly be. Um, and people enjoying that. You don't have to know anything about gardening really to be involved. Um, there's loads of different kind of jobs that need to be done and loads of different areas that you can help out in. So like painting, you don't need any gardening skills or if you do garden, then great. It's just about people kind of coming together, people showing that like they share the same interests and getting to know people better and working together to make the area you live in better. We're going to the pond that we made over here, my dad made. We put fish in it about two years ago I'd say and we don't feed them they kind of just feed off the there's lots of kind of plants in there and we planted a few and then they kind of just grow I just think it's nice to have like another kind of living thing so like it's a garden pet almost I feel proud when I come to the garden to show people because like I feel like I put a bit of myself into it and like I contributed towards it so yeah at the moment we have an awful lot of bees in the garden. We have looked at keeping bees. I'm not sure it's going to happen. There's a little bit more to it than we, we imagined. But we won't plant in particular an echium here, a purple echium, which is absolutely covered in bees all the time. There's a variety of habitats between piles of logs and rocks and, and marshy bits by the pond. We're going to develop that a little bit more. That would all help as well. And it's nice to just have like a, a lot of nature in a garden. And I think this bit's my favourite bit because it's just... It's just so, like, natureful. My name's Joan and I'm six years old. I like going to Mud Island because I like playing with my friends there. It's very fun because you can, like, plant things and you can go to the places where you get, like, face paints. And, yeah, I just think it's really fun. So after lockdown's over, obviously, if you ever wanted to come visit... Mud Island is open on Tuesday and Saturday, not Tuesday to Saturday, Tuesday and Saturday, from 2 to 5.
Mud Island is a magical place. It was a quieter spot over lockdown, but this garden, like so many other community projects, is a place where you can meet other people. Just look up Community Gardens Ireland and you will find so many across the country. Places where you can hear new stories and share your own. A place to play and learn. A third place where you can step outside and do so much good for yourself by doing good for others. But failing that, you can also just get out and play. After all, it is what we're best at. We also made a dog. Uh, robot dog. Yeah. So it's got a, an egg box for a head, and we cut the cardboard box for the body in a special way so there is a neck coming out and it can bob its head and up and down. It's got googly eyes and a pointy cone nose. And on the bottom, there are little circles of cardboard. There's a finger-knitted tail, and then there's a hole under the tail, and we put poo in there. My sister Caroline coloured in a bit with marker of paper, and we rolled it up and we taped it so it looked like poo, and we made it come out, and we made our own poo bag that we can reuse. This is our last ecolution for a little while, but don't worry, we'll be back soon. If you have any exciting environmental things that you're getting up to in your community over the summer, let us know. We're keen to feature any work done by our listeners in keeping up the fight against climate change. Stay safe, but have fun. Now, me and Mitzi are off on holidays. If you see a teenage boy in shorts with a creepy doll on his bike, you've been jamesed. But be sure to say hi. Bye! Evolution was produced by Nikki Cotland for RTE Junior Radio.